Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Draft night is done. The dust begins to settle on what really wasn't all that wild of a night. A couple of interesting trades in the middle of the draft, but nothing enormous where it kind of feels like the surprise, at least based on everybody that we talked to here on the podcast this week and everybody that seems to have their brain synapses working, is that Scoot and Brandon Miller went in the wrong order. As I've said before, I don't actually know if that's true. And at some point in the next, I don't know, three years, four years, we'll know for sure which way that the Hornets should have gone. And what we'll also never know is, would things be different for the Blazers and for Damian Lillard's camp if the Hornets had taken Scoot Henderson at number two? Because based on what I read, which again, not so much about the player, but more about the team, suggested that the Blazers felt like Scoot Henderson was so damn good that there really wasn't an impact player they were willing to take on to give up that number three pick. That the Blazers felt like getting Scoot Henderson at number three was like getting a top pick in almost any other draft. And you've got to be a wild person to give up the number one pick in a draft for someone that's not a superstar. We talked earlier this week with our guests, Corbin, David, and Rhett, and it came up during one of those shows, what about teams, what teams did move extremely high picks that hadn't been drafted yet for a superstar. And the best recent example is the Lakers. Lakers gave up high picks and recent high draftees, actual, you know, real humans that were in the league already, for Anthony Davis, who they felt like was a top five talent in the NBA. I'm inclined to actually still believe that that's true. Is he generally made of glass? Yeah. Anthony Davis gets hurt all the time. But when he's upright, was he not the second most impactful player in the playoffs this year behind Nikola Jokic? I'm inclined to say yes. LeBron was decent in the playoffs, but the Lakers got where they got because of Anthony Davis. He's incredible. The way that you can grade this out is... When a team is game planning for you, what are they doing? And so you've got Nikola Jokic, everybody's game planning to try to figure out what the hell they can do with him. And the answer is really nothing. He's going to pretty much beat you. You just want to try to slow him down the littlest bit. Steph Curry, who, as we saw through the playoffs, teams have to change everything that they do defensively to account for the fact that Steph Curry can stretch a defense 30, 32, 33 feet away from a bucket. And it's just, it's impossible 
to have a, a big man of any speed on the floor and deal with Steph Curry without opening up those crazy driving lanes for the rest of the team. You saw the Lakers deal with that, even with Anthony Davis out there. And then the third player that we saw teams dealing with in this way was AD. And I don't know that you can necessarily say like who had the most game planning for them, but everything that Lakers opponents did was to try to avoid Anthony Davis. How can we get Anthony Davis away from the rim and set ourselves up to have any kind of look at the bucket? So, getting off topic here a little bit. All that to say, a team that's willing to move, someone that they believe will... And that's the impression that I'm getting from reading... It's not even tea leaves. It's like it's basically direct quotes from Joe Cronin and the Blazers front office. It's basically like, look, we think that this guy is going to be a superstar level talent. We're not giving him up because he's cost controlled in what's going to be an extremely restrictive new collective bargaining agreement that kicks in not immediately here, but you know, in the not too distant future, we're not giving that guy up for anybody. That's anything less basically than a healthy game changing star. Who out there is that? The closest thing would be Zion Williamson, but he's not healthy. There aren't any other teams that are just abandoning ship on a superstar. Like, the argument would be Dame. If it was another team that's like, hey, we'll give you Scoot for Dame. Okay, well, Dame is going to make $60 million in a couple of years, so it's a little bit of a different monster. Are there any of these guys at the top of the board that aren't making a fortune? Who would you give up? Okay, I mean, put yourself in the Blazers' shoes. Sure, they want to put a team around Dame, but who are the guys that are even remotely available? Paul George is probably the best example of a name we heard over the last couple of days that's a star-level talent being shopped around by a team. Rumor came out, Clippers are trying to gauge interest on Paul George. That's one that maybe you consider if you're the Blazers. But... Does Paul George, is a Paul George, Damian Lillard team enough to win you a championship? Can you trust Paul George to play more than 55 games in a season? Lately, not really. What if you had the PG from the Oklahoma City year where he played, whatever it was, 79, 80 games, and he was just unreal, and you put that with Dame? Okay, I might, I might give up on Scoot for that. I think I probably would, actually. But modern era Paul George, 2023-24 season Paul George, who's unlikely to play more than three quarters of his team's games. And with all the respect in the world that I can muster here for Paul George, because he's still a star-level athlete, he's 33 now. He's not 40. I am. He's not 40, but he's on the back end of it. He's on the back end of his career. What about Dame? He's there too. He's turning 33 in about three weeks. Those two guys are the same age. Is that really what you want to hit your wagon to? Dame coming down off his prime. Paul George coming down off his prime. Dame who hasn't been healthy in two and a half years. Paul George who hasn't been healthy since he left OKC. That's your question right there. Would that have even been enough? And so for the Blazers, they're like, no. So here's what I think. 
here's what I think is going on in Portland. And I might be off brace here, but again, when you read the quotes that are coming out and the vibe, which is sort of a weird thing to say that you want to read, but you can read a vibe. The vibe in Portland right now is that Dame doesn't want to ask out because he wants to be beloved in Portland forever. Understandable. Blazers don't want to trade him without Dame asking out because then they're the regime that traded away one of, if not the best Blazer in history. Arguable. I don't want to get into that discussion, but... It is a reasonable argument. A reasonable argument could be made that Damian Lillard is the best Portland Trailblazer ever. Do you want to be the guy that trades him away? Alienating a fan base? Irritating everyone? No. So right now we have this weird game of fake good guy chicken. Because I think both sides know Dame needs to go. Sorry, Blazers fans. And I'm actually, you know, I think there's probably... A lot of people listening to this podcast that are Blazers fans that want to trade Damian Lillard because he's still good enough where you could get, uh, I think, some good stuff back. It's not like the Bradley Beal situation where there's uh, all the no-trade stuff built in. And Damian Lillard is still good enough to kind of semi-carry a team, even though his contract is about become, to become completely overwhelming. Only $46 million is coming season. You kind of swallow that. Then it goes to 49, 59, and 63. Holy crap. That is ridiculous. And that's his what? Like age 37 season? Oh, no. So that's a hard contract to move. Lillard, I think, knows that. And I think maybe there's a little bit of an embarrassment factor of if he asks out and the Blazers don't get that much back for him, only a little bit, does that then reflect poorly on Lillard's self-worth in a way that I don't know how Bradley Beal feels right now, but if I'm Beal, I'm thinking, are you kidding? This is all you got for me? You got a Chris Paul contract that was immediately jettisoned somewhere else and what, some pick swaps? Whoopee. I don't know. I feel like it'd be hard to see that. Put yourself in someone else's shoes here. Again, what if someone, I mean, let's take me. What if another What if another fantasy company was like, Dan, we'll take you on, uh, but all we can give Sports Ethos is a box of Girl Scout cookies. I'd be like, that's delicious, but that sucks. That's all I'm worth. And then, you know, eventually I'd be like, all right, and I'd do my stuff at someplace else. I, by the way, this is a horrible example because someone's going to be listening and they'll be like, Dan, you're leaving? No, no, never. Never in a bazillion years. Stop that. But I'm just saying, it's impossible not to... In some capacity... You can say all the right things, that you don't care what anybody else thinks of you, and you don't. your self-worth is not measured on what anybody else says. But ultimately, if someone actually attaches a worth to you, it's kind of hard to ignore it. So again, looping all of that around to say, the Blazers... Don't want to trade Scoot. They feel like they got a future superstar who, again, doesn't cost very much right now, at least compared to, you know, I mean, yeah, number two pick is still going to get a decent salary, but, you know, it's not like Anthony Simon's extension or Nurkic making almost $20 million. It's not like that. This is someone they feel like they can build around, and they're quite worried that Dame is going to ask out, or maybe worried isn't the right end. Like, they feel like there's an inevitability to this thing, and they want to have... 
the guy already in place. So whatever they get back in a Lillard trade, which I think they're probably assuming isn't all that much, at least compared to his actual skill level because of his contract, well, they don't have to worry about that as much. Meanwhile, everybody that came on this podcast told me the Hornets would be complete idiots to take Brandon Miller at number two, and then the Hornets went out and took Brandon Miller at number two. We'll see how all that shakes out. What it does do, uh, at least in the very near term, is it preserves the value. We talked about this with Corbin on Tuesday's show. It preserves the value of the other guards on the Hornets in a way that if they had taken Scoot, it probably wouldn't have been quite so simple. We, you can contort yourself into all shapes to say, oh, well, if they had taken Henderson, then everything would have been totally the same for LaMelo and everything would have been totally the same for Terry Rozier and blah, blah, blah. But it wouldn't have been. Because Henderson is a ball-in-hand. I guess you call it a wing, sort of. He's a guard. He's a guard. He's not really a forward. He's a guard. And they would want to develop that. And so he would have the ball in his hand. In a way that with Miller, it's not as much that. Yeah, he can handle it a little bit, but he's mostly going to be playing off of LaMelo Ball, off of Terry Rozier. I've got to think that the Hornets are now trying desperately to get off of the Gordon Hayward contract. Wouldn't you? I don't know that Hayward has enough left in the tank to fetch much in return, and frankly, they might have to give assets away to abandon ship on that contract but I think we'll double check on this yeah he's in the last season of his deal he's set to make uh 31 million dollars yeah 31 and a half 31.5 this coming season which you know expiring deal blah 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 but they got to clear him out of the way um Unless they choose not to bring back Miles Bridges, but that's a discussion that I I don't know what the Hornets are going to do with that one. They've got an ownership change coming up. Michael Jordan selling his stake in the team, his majority ownership of the franchise for a few billion dollars. Yeah, a few billion dollars. Just a couple of just a couple of quarters in the piggy bank. So Jordan's out. What's the new regime going to want to do? And supposedly Michael Jordan made the call on this draft pick while selling the team, which seems like an idiotic thing that they set up, especially given MJ's draft track record. Not great, considering how many high picks that franchise has had. From sucking. Oh, well. Hopefully it works out. LaMelo Ball's health is going to play a very large role. He was not healthy this last year, and they were terrible. He was relatively healthy the year before that. They weren't terrible. They weren't great, but they weren't terrible. Does Miller make them immediately a whole heck of a lot better? Uh, Folks, picture this nightmare scenario. You're hosting friends for the big game. It's neck and neck in the fourth quarter, and suddenly you realize you're out of drinks. Ooh, say all of your friends. You start to sweat. Your friends turn on you. You're forced to go on a last-second drink run and end up missing the game-winning touchdown while in line. Oh, no. Terrifying, isn't it? Luckily, you can avoid the drama with Drizzly, the go-to app for drink delivery. With Drizzly, you can shop a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your watch party. 
Compare prices across multiple stores in your area. Find the best deals on game day drinks and get back to armchair quarterbacking from, you guessed it, your armchair. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com today. Must be 21 plus, not available in all locations. I don't know. So here's the thing. Here's what's here's what we're going to do. By the way, I don't even think I said hello. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Fantasy NBA Today. This is a Sports Ethos presentation, and I am your host, Dan Vespers. Reminder, mid-show reminder, the NFL Fantasy Pass. Brand new, spanking new Fantasy Pass here at Sports Ethos is available for just $4 a month. Woo, buddy. That is nothing. $4 a month is nothing. However... And this is where Dan tries to upsell you. I would strongly recommend that folks get the all-sport fantasy pass right now. It's only $7 a month, which is just $1 more than the regular NBA fantasy pass, which I know a lot of you are actually thinking about signing up for for this coming NBA draft season. I know many of you that listen to this podcast sign up for the NBA fantasy pass and then you cancel it for the offseason, which I get it. Redraft folks in an offseason, there isn't a whole lot there. Yes, the guys do really good stuff. They had premium draft content. They have premium free agency content. But at the end of the day, how many of us really feel like we need premium redraft stuff? Well, this is when you should be diving in. Because now, hopefully, you've been able to sort of squeeze a couple months off, save a few clams that way. Dive back in now because the all-sport fantasy pass, which covers you for basketball, baseball, and football currently... Our plan is also to add premium hockey content down the line. That would fall into the all-sport pass as well. $7 is only $1 more than the basketball-only fantasy pass. But the all-sport fantasy pass is going up to 10 when NBA draft season swings around. So this is your opportunity. And listen, like this is a really big deal. 7 to 10 is a very large jump. And if you get in at 7 and you're like, oh, well, I don't really want to... Like, I don't want to have a a subscription right now. I'm not going to use it for two more months. Okay, fine. Let's say you're going to start using it in August or even early September. If you sign up now, you're basically paying $14 at that point, two seven-month subscriptions, so that you can then have the Fantasy Pass at however long you end up needing it at $7 a month. Let's say you use it for draft season, so get it now, late June, Let's say that you know that the first two months take you to late August. Draft season takes you through the end of October. That's two more months. There's another two months on the lock because it's always a six month. Okay, six times seven is forty two. If you wait and do the ten dollar one, it's sixty bucks for that all sport. Get it now. Save eighteen dollars over the next six months, which is more than you're paying for the extra two months here on the front end. You could hold on to it another two months after that if you wanted to let it run to the end of the regular season so you have that premium Discord access, whatever. The $14 you're spending here at the front end, you will save more than that at the back end. That's the beauty of locking in the price right now. So go to sportsethos.com, get the all-sport fantasy pass, If you want to be able to get football right now, it'll cover, by the way. You'll get the football draft guide. Then you get the basketball draft guide. You'll get the Brewski 150. It's all in there. 
at $7 a month. Check it out, sportsethos.com. By the way, you can hang out with me on Twitter over at Dan Bespris. I sent some very weird and silly tweets yesterday because Rashawn Holmes got traded, so I felt like we needed to comment on that, and um, I don't know. Did I comment on that? Here's what I want to do on the podcast, though, and I know that from an organizational standpoint, this doesn't make a ton of sense, but I don't want to split up the uh, the non-rookie discussion here. So I considered diving into some of the movement over the last two or three days on today's podcast, but I don't think we'd be able to get through all of it because I have a lot of stuff I want to go over. The Wizards in particular are an extraordinarily interesting fantasy team right now. They moved Beal. They moved Porzingis. They moved Chris Paul yesterday. And they got back to what? They got back Jordan Poole. They got back Tyus Jones. And they got back some other guys that they're probably not playing. I mean, this is like, this is an exciting level. And I know that the tank risk, by the way, for the Wizards is out of this world high. Astronomical tank risk. This is a team that's going to be actively trying to lose ball games. But right now, like, think about some of these names. that, And I don't want to just split. I don't want to sprint through them here on this Friday show. I don't want to sprint through Daniel Gafford, now the starting center with no Kristaps Porzingis around. I don't want to sprint through Jordan Poole, who gets a full career reset. I don't want to sprint through Tyus Jones because now we've heard the Wizards have Monte Morris on the trade block. And by the way, I don't want to sprint through Denny Avdia. I don't want to sprint through Corey Kispert. They grabbed a rookie as well who's also a wing whose last name I should have looked up the pronunciation of before diving into the podcast. Bilal's the first name. You know what? We're going to learn it here on air. (laughs) But anyway, here's the other thing. You know who else I don't want to sprint through? I don't want to sprint through DeLon Wright, who they'll probably get a fortune for. Well, okay, fortune. These these days, fortune is different than old days fortune. It's not Rudy Gobert era anymore, ladies and gentlemen. Nobody's getting four first-round picks again. But think if they're moving DeLon Wright at the trade deadline. You'll get something good for that. All right, so it is Koulibaly. Bilal Koulibaly. All right. Good enough. That's what the internet tells me. Anywho, uh, we got a lot to talk about with the Wizards. We've got a good chunk of stuff to talk about with the Warriors. We have a good chunk of stuff to talk about with the Celtics. We have a chunk of stuff to talk about with the Grizzlies. We have a chunk of stuff to talk about with the Mavericks. And look, I, you know, is Rashawn Holmes about to leapfrog his way back into massive fantasy? Whatever. Probably not. But I don't know. I just, like... That feels like a half an hour show all by itself. And we've done all of this chatter, and we haven't even talked about the fact that Victor Wembanyama is now probably, what is he, the starting center for the Spurs? Underdog had him as the starting power forward, um, but that's without Trey Jones being re-signed yet. So we don't. if he gets re-signed, he probably is the point guard. That would shift Vassell up to shooting guard. Uh, Keldon Johnson to small forward, Jeremy Sohan to power forward, and then Wembenyama up to center. So, um, 
you know, if if we were hoping for Zach Collins to have a monster season, that's kind of hanging in the balance right now. But um, until we know what the Spurs are doing with Trey Jones, it's hard to uh, really put a stamp on any of those guys' fantasy value as well. But um, we will do that as free agency comes rolling around, which, again, that's right around the corner. It's basically a week. The moratorium period begins in a week, but that's where we get all the news breaks. So-and-so is going to sign whatever, and then they can't actually put their name on the line until, whatever it is, five days later. But over those five days, we get almost all of the free agency news. The end of that is more the formality outside of, you know, if the Mavericks try to lock anybody in a room, blah, 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 whatever. Also, I have a surprise for you all here at the end of the podcast. I didn't uh, promo it at the beginning because I wanted it to spring it on you as we were going through. Um, our wonderful guest from yesterday's podcast, Rhett Bauer, head of our Dynasty Division, or Dynasty NBA Division, I should say, at Sports Ethos, has graced us with a recap of draft night for redraft and Dynasty players as well. Uh, and that is without me. So even better for you guys. So let's hear from Rhett. The 2023 draft is over, but the offseason is just starting. I'm here to give you some thoughts on the top 10, as well as a couple players outside of that, the rest of the drafts that has caught my attention. The biggest winner of the night, as everybody knows, is the San Antonio Spurs fans, because they got Victor Wimbenyama, who is an absolute freak of a basketball player, as well as a fantasy player. He's going to make everybody's life easier. Devin Vassell, Jeremy Sohan, Keldon Johnson, Malachi Branham are all going to have an easy time getting pushed one spot down the depth chart, or rather the scouting report. Uh, there's no real analysis there. I do still think that Wimby is going to be brought along a little bit slower than expected. I don't think he's going to come out of the gate playing 33 minutes a night, and I do think he's going to miss some games, but he should still end up returning top 30-ish per game value for nine cat next up is Charlotte Hornets with Brandon Miller, which is a mistake in my opinion, but it does make things a little bit easier as far as their rotation goes, because we know LaMelo is going to be there. Terry Rozier doesn't take a hit as long as he is not traded. And he actually gets a boost back to the 2021, 22 fantasy value as he's no longer having to create so many more of his shots. So he might actually get a bump in the nine cat redraft scenario. I believe PJ Washington will come back and there's another forward on Charlotte that I don't like to talk about, but if he comes back, they will have to split with Brandon Miller, but they all kind of do different things. So I can see a situation where they can all coexist. I really think that it is going to be Gordon Hayward and Cody Martin, if healthy for both of them, uh, that take a hit there. Um, seems like the Hornets should be going in a direction that does not involve Gordon Hayward getting 30 minutes a night. And that's even if he's healthy. I think Kelly Oubre also gone, but who knows with uh, what the Hornets are going to want to do. Moving on is the Portland Trailblazers who have to thank the Hornets for saving their franchise by delivering them Scoot Henderson and making them get into a staring contest with Damian Lillard. I do think Lillard will get traded and that will jump Scoot up significantly in the productivity and uh, just the conductorness, I guess, of Scoot on the Portland Trailblazers rebuilding squad. I don't know if Scoot is going to have standard league value this year because he is 
going to be pretty inefficient. He's going to have decently high turnovers. But if you're looking for an exciting prospect and a guy who's going to get you some okay points, pretty good rebounds, good assists, and okay steals, then Scoot is a decent pick outside the top 100, I would say. Uh, Simons and Sharp are going to be interesting to monitor because that is a lot of guards, and I'm not sure that that's what... uh, that there's going to be a great opportunity for all of them to play unless they move Dame. Like I said, I think they're going to Houston Rockets made the correct call and drafted a Thompson. And that is going to be a phenomenal uh, fit. I think he's going to make Jalen green's life a little bit easier. And it's the first time that anybody on the Houston Rockets has played with somebody who can actually pass the ball since uh, James Harden was there. So that means Jabari Smith's value goes a little bit up. Um, Shingun might take a little bit of a fantasy value hit if they don't use him as a hub for everything, but uh, getting Cam Whitmore also makes their life uh, a bit more interesting out on the wing for guys like Tari Eason and Kenyon Martin Jr. I do think KPJ takes a hit, but he probably shouldn't have been as high as you thought he was anyways, and the rest of those guards are not going to be standard league relevant. They do have a ton of cap space. So there are more moves to come. They are one of the teams that I'm trying to refrain from making too many cemented opinions at the moment, but I do love him in Thompson, even if I do think his flaws as a reality and fantasy player might take him out of standard league value, unless you end up going with a heavy punt threes slash free throw build pairing him with Giannis would be, would be pretty cool, but I don't know if I would take him, um, as just a, a nine cat roto player this year. Moving on to the Pistons, Asor Thompson, the twins go back to back. I actually mocked Asor to the Pistons in one of the mock drafts that I got invited to be a part of. I think that the three headed monster of Cade, Ivy, and Asar is just going to be absolutely terrifying on, on both ends of the floor. Um, I don't think Asar is going to be a guy to draft in standard league. I take a flyer on him late in uh late in drafts because I think he has a bit more fantasy friendly game and he's got guys like Cade and Ivy to make his life easier on the offensive end while knowing he has a security blanket in Jalen Duran on the backside that's obviously going to um make his life a little bit he can be a bit more aggressive on the perimeter which is going to lead to more defensive stats which is going to lead to transition buckets which is where Asar and Cade slash Ivy both thrive. Beef Stew maintains a little bit of value because Asar is not a power forward. Uh, obviously, the Pistons have Boyan Bogdanovich, but uh, Beef Stew might end up starting. I don't know why, but he might end up having a little bit of value. Marvin Bagley, James Wiseman should not be on your radar. They shouldn't have been on the Pistons' radar, but here we are. I do have a little bit of concern for uh, Killian Hayes. He probably isn't going to be standard league relevant this year, um, especially with Marcus Sasser joining the mix as well. Um, Alec Burks probably isn't playing as much, but he could still have some stream value depending on matchups and injuries. But we will see if the Pistons make use of their 30 plus million dollars in cap space in a couple weeks. Orlando Magic take Anthony Black and Jet Howard, and I don't understand the Howard pick. I really like Anthony Black, but he makes Markel Fultz kind of redundant, and he definitely makes Jalen Suggs redundant. Um, I I still, still think Fultz is going to be a standard league player, but I don't think that is going to be the case for guys like Gary Harris, Jalen Suggs. Um, I don't think Jet Howard will be. 
Cole Anthony won't be. It's, I mean, it's basically going to be Paolo, Franz, Fultz, and that's and Wendell Carter Jr. Uh, I don't know if Anthony Black will be right off the, the bat. I'm not really a fan of reaching for a guy who we know is going to struggle to shoot on a team that has a bunch of guys that struggle to shoot. Uh, so we that's more of a long-term play. I do think Black is going to improve, but I'm not so confident this year that anybody outside of the fantasy-relevant players from 2022-23 should be drafted in your nine-cat redraft leagues. Washington Wizards uh, traded up with my Indiana Pacers to take Bilal Koulibaly. And boy, that rebuild is going to be fascinating to watch as long as you really like watching Jordan Poole chuck up 35 shots a game and watch everybody else struggle to figure out how they fit in as a basketball player. I think Koulibaly's ceiling is very high. He will not be a standard league relevant player. Honestly, the only players that I might draft from the Washington Wizards at this point, they still have a lot of moves to make and Kyle Kuzma could be on the way back, but I would be drafting Jordan Poole and Daniel Gafford question mark. Probably Tyus Jones as well. Those are going to be the only three guys from the Wizards that are going to have fantasy relevance beyond silly season, where a guy like Denny Avdia, Bilal Koulibaly, um, Corey Kispert, guys along that vein might end up uh, getting way too much opportunity. Moving on, Indiana Pacers, Jarris Walker. I said it last time I was on with Dan. The forward that the Pacers take is going to be a guy that I'm interested in. I think Jarris Walker has a very non-cat friendly game, even though I don't see the upside that I would have liked from a normal 7-8 overall pick. I think Jarris Walker is a fine bet inside the top 100 this year as a rookie, even though we do know that Rick Carlisle likes to uh, bring their rookies along a little bit slow. I think he Walker is a case of a desperate need for positional fit and also a desperate need for defensive and connective passing uh, with these Pacers starting lineup that I assume is going to be Halliburton, Matherin, Walker, Turner, and then either a Nimhard or Heald, depending on what other moves come. The, the guys that I would drop out of standard league relevance is going to be Jalen Smith, Isaiah Jackson, probably Jordan Wara and Aaron Neesmith. They're all going to be really tough to find minutes for, uh, and they might just do some, you know, power forward slash small forward roulette with all of these guys. And Chris Duarte is going to take a huge drop back as there's just even fewer minutes. Um, if, if Neesmith pushed up to the four, then you could get Duarte there at the two or the three. That's just not going to be the case. But I also don't think the paces are done. So don't get this cemented in your head as the uh, rotation for the paces just yet. Number nine, Utah Jazz, Taylor Hendricks. Love this. Wish the paces took him. Laurie Markin and Taylor Hendricks. Walker Kessler is absolutely massive on that three, four, five. And then the Jazz also went out and got Keontae George, which I love as well. Uh, I don't know... If it, it depends on what Utah's going to do. If Taylor Hendricks gets 30 minutes a night, he's probably going to end up a standard league player. I would probably take him in the back couple rounds of the draft if I have a spot for it, because the upside there is fairly big as a guy who has good percentages, hits some threes and blocks some shots. He could be a one, one, one candidate as soon as next year, if he gets the minutes for it. But I think on his career, he will absolutely be a one, one, one candidate. So I'm excited to see that Keontae George will not have fantasy relevance, but neither will Colin Sexton or Jordan Clarkson, because those guards are just going to cannibalize each other in a way that that uh, is almost never fun for teams uh, in the majority of the regular season. 
rounding out the top 10, Oklahoma City Thunder take Case and Wallace. I really didn't see this one coming. He is another guard. He's 6'4", good size, great defender, so he does fit in with what OKC wants to do, but I'm not sure what that's going to do for guys like SGA, Giddy, and J-Dub as perimeter players that pass and defend as well. I, I don't Obviously, Case and Wallace isn't coming for their minutes, but at the same time, the minutes have to come from somewhere. So maybe that's Trey Mann, Aaron Williams, Isaiah Joe coming out of the rotation, which does not matter for you redraft players, but for Dynasty, that is something to watch. The players that I'm most interested in outside of that top 10, I think Derek Lively to the Mavericks is one that should have standard league relevance, similar to how Mark Williams did last year, except I don't think the Mavericks are going to have the luxury of being terrible and bringing Mark Williams or bringing Derek Lively along as slow as Charlotte did with Mark Williams last year. So I think Lively is a good bet to give just big man stats on the way to a, a top 100 ish uh, finish because of his low turnovers, which definitely helps uh, nine cat players. I think uh, Jalen Hutchifino is a guy that I'm taking a flyer on late in draft, depending on what the Lakers do with their the, the free agency. They have a ton of different options, but I think Huchifino is a guy who can play on and off the ball, a guy that can defend one through three, I would imagine at the NBA level. He's a guy that's just going to be a great fit with LeBron and a, somebody that I think is just going to be on the floor. So uh, if he, if the Lakers don't end up getting another guard, he's a guy that I would be excited to watch. I am shocked that Cam Whitmore went all the way at 20, but he's not a guy uh, worth a redraft look. He's just a guy that's an absolutely fantastic value at that spot. The Portland Trailblazers drafting Chris Murray is something to watch because if Jeremy Grant doesn't come back or if the Blazers end up pivoting to a Dame trade and Jeremy Grant, they don't want Jeremy Grant back, Chris Murray is going to get all that he can handle out on the wing. I think he's better than Nasir Little already, and I think he's going to be a guy that can just fit in next to Scoot and Simons and Sharp and just fill in the gaps kind of like Keegan did last year. And he should get more minutes than Keegan did. If the Portland trailblazers end up pivoting to a rebuild, if not, he might end the year having fantasy value, but probably not for the start of the season. The last guy that I am interested in, and it is a massive flyer is trace Jackson Davis, because I think the warriors got an av uh, the best pick in the draft. As far as I'm concerned at pick 57, getting trace Jackson Davis. I think that he's going to fit in very well with the read and react system of the warriors. I think he fits in as a backup big that can bring it might be Draymond insurance. He might play behind Looney. I just think he's just a, a really good basketball player that can contribute in a lot of different ways. And I'll be taking him with my last pick in most of my redraft leagues, just to see what the Warriors decide to do. That is all of my analysis for the first round that I'm going to put on this show. If you want to hear more, please tune in to the punt intended podcast on sports ethos feed and check me out on Twitter at Rhett underscore Bauer, R H E T T underscore B A U E R. Well, that was a fun little thing we don't get to do very often here on the podcast. Just uh, an actual, it's really just like a drop-in. Thank you to Rhett underscore Bauer. You should be following him and his incredible Dynasty podcast. It's called Punt Intended. It's a Dynasty NBA show. It's here uh, on our Sports Ethos Network. Punt Intended. Um, it also has, and now I'm screwing this up, so I'm going to look it up while we're talking on air. Punt Intended also has its own um, Twitter feed, and Rhett was very busy on it yesterday. 
where was that guy? Where was the punt intended Twitter feed? Rhett put out a note or a series of notes on every single draft pick that came out um, via that punt intended feed. That was a lot of work for him last night. So I would hope that you would give Rhett a follow at Rhett. Again, that's Rhett underscore Bauer. And the punt intended feed is... Well, this would have been a pretty reasonable guess. It's at punt intended pod. That sucker's up to 765 follows now. Rhett's at 2,100. Cool beans, man. Good stuff. All right. Have a wonderful weekend, everybody. Again, check out the All Sport Fantasy Pass right now on sale from $10 to $7 until NBA draft stuff begins to drop here at Sports Ethos. And that is within the next... Uh, few weeks really week or two after free agency that's when everything starts to get chucked in there so if you're thinking about signing up for nfl stuff or nba stuff get them together with the baseball for seven dollars a month that is the all sport fantasy pass available at sportsethos.com ethos fantasy bk is the basketball feed ethos fantasy fb is the football feed on monday we will spend that whole show going over the trades of players that were already in the NBA. Trades that were already, or players that were already in the NBA. So Chris Paul, Jordan Poole, everything going on with the Wizards, the Grizzlies, and Marcus Smart, Celtics, and Kristaps Porzingis, and all that good stuff. So we're going to do that on Monday. Tuesday, we're going to dive back into the season reviews. We have about four or five of those left. And uh, by the end of next week, we'll be talking free agency. Holy crap. Which goes right into Summer League, which, by the way, look, as much as, you know, we'll talk about it a little bit, but that is, again... You want to use Summer League almost to figure out who not to draft because it's going to create hype bubbles? Yes, hype bubbles. They're a real thing. Anyway, we'll get to all that next week. Have a wonderful weekend, everybody. Whatever you might be doing, as I say at the end of my play-by-play shows, make it a safe one and a good one. See you in a couple days. Later for now. Thanks to Rhett again, and actually all of our guests this week, Rhett, David, and Corbin. I'm Dan. Later. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.